Jamie King. And we are just really excited about this year and what God is going to do and what he has been doing uh, within our group. And um, so we just wanted to encourage you guys um, to not only to think about doing missions work, not only Potter's Clay, but Spring Break in the City, just going out to your neighbor's house and just helping them out. We just want to encourage you guys to do missions work. Um, and Amy's going to introduce our team so you can get to know our team a little bit better. Okay, these great people up here are the faces that you can come and talk to if you have any questions or interest about Potter's Clay. You can come up to the office in the Kerr Student Center. Give us a call at 7090. So let's start by introducing Krista Fitzgerald, our business manager. Dave Morley is the transportation coordinator. Kareth Marcantonio is the communications coordinator. Lauren Bianchi, director of Vacation Bible School. Sarah Ernst and Jason Oliat are the co-coordinators of construction. Quinn Burke is the coordinator of sports. Jim Eddy is the coordinator of the mental, mental, <laughs> medical and dental clinics. <laughs> and Eric Meyer is the coordinator of the music evangelism ministry, but this year it's being called the relationship support team. And those of you who are interested can come find out more about that. I'm Kareth Marcantonio, as they said, the communications director, and I'd like to tell you a little bit about the registration process this year. Just like last year, it is online, um, only online, and you can find that by going to the Potter's Clay website, and it's a little bit hard to get to, so I will be putting slips of paper in all of your mailboxes telling you where the website is and a little bit more information on how to register. Registration needs to be finished, completed, with your passports turned in by January 15th. That's after Christmas break, so you'll have time to go home and get everything in order if you need to. Please sign up. We'd love to have as many people as we can. I have the honor this morning um, to introduce somebody who is from my hometown, uh, Chris Peterson. Uh, he's a pastor at Calvary Community Church, um, which is my home church. And um, he was a Westmont alum who was very active in Potter's Clay when he was here. Um, I'm really excited to have him here because uh, this guy is so passionate about serving the Lord in ministry around the world and close at home. Um, so it's an honor to have him here. Um, and welcome. Are we on here? There we go. Well, it's fun to be back. I uh, graduated from Westmont about 10 years ago. Um, I, I still have some uh, little visions of chapel. I think my senior year, we did crown him with many crowns, all five stanzas, just about every other chapel. So it was nice to come in and worship this morning. Uh, it's weird. I, I was up uh, having breakfast this morning, and Elaine, she's still in the dining commons. Wow. 
she is one amazing lady. She was there before I was here, and, and uh, she's, she's just the same. She's like, hi, Chris. Whoa. <laughs> um, but it's, it's amazing to be back up here. I haven't had a chance to get up here. I actually only live an hour away, but uh, I, I've been up here a couple times. Actually, it's been sad when I've been up here. It's some friends that we've lost. But uh, Lauren called me about a month ago and asked if I would come up and just speak to you a little bit about potter's clay. And, and I started to think through and, and pray through maybe what I might speak to you guys about. And uh, it really didn't come until this last weekend. And I want to tell you two stories. One is a story about a guy in the Bible one is my story. And the first story I want to tell you is about Peter. And I want to ask you a question. Whether you're going to go on potter's clay or not, I want to ask you, what do you follow? Who do you follow? And, and when you look at Scripture, this, this, I, I love Peter because he is he's just kind of this bungling fool who works his way through Scripture and works his way through, through this, this relationship with Jesus Christ and, and comes out the other side as the rock upon which Christ is going to build his church. And, and really the first time we see Peter is in, and I'm just going to quickly go through these because I want to make sure I'm sensitive to time, but in Matthew 4, Jesus walks up to Peter, and, and uh, I, I'm sure they met before. We actually have some indications of that in Scripture, but he essentially says, drop your nets and follow me. First thing Jesus says that we see in Scripture is follow me. And it's going to be important because what we go back to at the end and what Jesus does with Peter at the end, Peter obviously knows something's happening. Jesus is doing something. He's got something right. I understand this. I'm willing to give up my livelihood. I'm willing to give up my life to follow this guy. And so Peter drops his nets and he follows him. He's an ordinary guy. He probably, if you were to talk to somebody at the time, he has no real great future. He's probably just going to be a fisherman. He might be very good at his craft. But he's just going to be this fisherman who lives in this village, goes out, fishes, come back, goes out the next day, does the same thing. Jesus takes these ordinary guys, and Peter being one of them, and says, follow me. And then we get some snapshots as we go through scripture of, of Peter and, and of his interaction with Jesus. And I love Peter because he's so much like me. I mess up so often. I think I have the right plan. I think I know what God wants. And God looks at me and goes, no. Or he looks at me and says, you know, that was great. I'm glad I was able to accomplish what I needed to accomplish in spite of you. And I love the fact that he takes me along for the ride. There's times when I get it right, too. But uh, it's fun to see God work. And it's fun to sit back and see what God does. These little, these little snapshots of Peter. We've got Matthew 14. Jesus just finished, finished feeding the 5,000. Sends the disciples out on a boat. Jesus goes to pray. And uh, the disciples are out on the boat. And I'm going to just, again, quickly hit these. The storm comes up. Jesus walks out. Peter, kind of the impulsive guy that he is, says, Jesus, can I walk with you? Again, paraphrase version here. Jesus, can I step out? Can I walk with you? Notice that he's the only guy that took the risk. He's the only guy who said, Jesus, can I, can I step out and walk with you? The rest of the guys are probably cowered in the corner of the boat. Peter gets out there and he, he walks out. He's focused on Jesus. And he looks down, and he starts to sink. So we've got this little snapshot of Peter as a guy who's willing to take risks, but maybe he's a little bit out of focus. Maybe he's not sure what he's looking at, who he's supposed to be following. In Matthew 16, you have Jesus talking to the disciples. And, and what you have is you have Peter 
who basically tells Jesus in this passage, you know what, Jesus, I don't think you're right. I think it's going to happen this way. He starts talking about what's going to happen on the cross. And Jesus turns around and says, get behind me, Satan. He says, no, you don't understand. You don't have what what I'm telling you. I've, I've been working on this for years with you, Peter, and you still don't understand. So you've got this picture of a, of a man who maybe doesn't know what the mission is. And a question for you would be, do you know what your mission is? Um, I've been talking with God for 12 years now since an experience on Potter Clay, Potter's Clay. And uh, it's all trying to figure out what that mission is. What do you want me to be doing, God? There's the transfiguration in Matthew 17 where Peter goes up. You take, this is a small group of, of disciples that Jesus tends to uh, hang out with and, and, and uh, invest his life in a little bit more than the 12, Peter, James, and John. And he gets up to the mountain and there's a transfiguration of Jesus' face and Moses and Elijah show up. And here's Peter, good old Peter again, instead of, instead of stopping, being in the moment and saying, wow, this is God in front of me, and he's showing me his son, he starts to go, well, you know, let's build a little altar over here, and let's build something over here for Moses, and let's build one here for Jesus, and God essentially just says, stop. Peter, haven't you gotten it yet? Haven't you gotten what what Jesus has been talking to you about for, for three years now? Focus. Be quiet. Be still. There is time when you need to be quiet and be still. There is time when you need to step away. I am, I am a pastor on a pastoral team at a larger church, and, and we can get into doing so much stuff. And there are times at which we need to stop. This team of folks who's going to be leading you, or you guys, if you choose to go on potter's clay, or if you choose to go maybe to inner city mission stuff that's happening now, you can get so caught up in the stuff that needs to happen that you forget why you're doing it. Peter was good at that. He got caught up in just saying, oh, let's make this happen. Let's just happen this way. I get caught up in that. I need to get myself out of the office. I usually go down to the beach in Ventura and just sit. When I was up here at Westmont, it was, it was the Biltmore Wall, maybe the prayer chapel. And just be quiet and listen. God wanted Peter to take some time and understand who Jesus was and not to be busy about trying to make things happen. And the last snapshot I wanted to show you was, was uh, when Jesus predicts his death. Jesus predicts his death, and Peter says, no, I won't betray you. It's when they're at the Last Supper. It's in, it's in uh, Matthew 26. And it's interesting in the next few chapters, excuse me, the next few verses, Peter says no. And, and, it, and it's it's a place at which Peter is being brought to a place where he's being broken. I was broken about 12 years ago in potter's clay. And again, I'll talk about that in a minute. But Peter goes through that night saying, no, I'm not going to deny Jesus. And it's interesting in scriptures, you look at that, there's, there's three ways that he denies him. First of all, he's kind of noncommittal. The first time he's challenged, he's kind of, no, oh, I don't know him. No. Never heard of the guy. Don't know, don't know who Jesus is. The second time that he is challenged, he denies Jesus with an oath. I swear, I don't know him. Kind of steps it up a little bit. The third time he's challenged on if he knows Jesus and who he is, 
He actually curses and swears. I don't know him. I don't know who he is. And the cock crows. And Peter is sitting there as a broken man. Remember the first thing that that Jesus said to Peter in Matthew 4 was, follow me. And I want to go to John 21. In John 21, Jesus comes back to Peter. And it's almost a a sense of restoration. Because he asked Peter three times. He asked him three times. Probably to correspond with the denials that he had in the garden. He says, Peter, do you love me? And the first time in verse 15, he says, do you love me more than these? Which is probably either the stuff or his trade. He was probably sitting by the boats, uh, by his nets. Do you love me more than these? Well, you know I love you more than those. The second time in verse 16, do you love me, Peter? And the focus is on Peter. Do you love me, Peter? And the third time he asked me, he asked him, is in verse 17, and it's really a sense of, do you, do you love me and do you remember who you were called to follow? Do you love me? Do you remember what you were called to? The first two times that Jesus asks in, in verses 15 and 16, he uses the word agape, denoting kind of an unconditional, sacrificial kind of love. In verse 17, he uses the word phileo, which really, it, it, it means somewhat the same thing, but it also is... is uh, giving a connotation of, of, uh, of affection, of affinity, of brotherly love. Of not just, do you love me, you're willing to give things up for me, but my brother, Peter, do you love me? And you know I do. You know I do. The first two times that Peter answers, he's using the, the, the Greek as oida, um, and, and it's really more of an intellectual knowledge. The last time he asks him, he's using the word ginosko, which is a knowledge through experience. You know I love you. I've gone through it with you, Jesus. I love you. I don't just know the stuff. I love you. I love you because I've spent my life with you. I love you because I've invested my life in you and you've invested in me. Knowledge wasn't enough. It was about relationship. And uh, Peter is an amazing guy. He's a guy that I just, I, I can't get enough of. When I was on Potter's Clay... Um, I went my first year, and I don't know if you use the term anymore, but we called ourselves the work dorks. Um, it was a construction team. And we kind of had a song about missing chapel and doing some other things. Um, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. I just, I went because it was a fun thing to do. I was a religious studies business double major, which was a weird thing. Um, and I went because it was a lot of fun. And hey, let's go hang out in Mexico for a week. Uh, we'll smell real bad. Um, we'll eat a lot of tacos. Um, we'll get to hang out in Riverbed, which is where we, we camped at the time. And uh, I thought it was a lot of fun. And it was. It was great. We built houses for people, and they, they loved it, and it was wonderful. My sophomore year, I was asked to be on the leadership team for, uh, for the work crew. And uh, it was 1989, I believe. Um, we got things ready. We went down, and we had to fix things construction folks from college who go down and build a 10-person banyo, but don't think about the fact that it's on a hill and when it rains, it's going to erode and the 10-person banyo is going to kind of fall in. So we have to go down and fix things. We have to get things ready. We have to get things going. We put our teams together, do a chapel a lot like this. We got our teams together. 
I uh, broke my foot in the process playing dunk ball at one of the elementary schools down here. And so I was in a cast and uh, supposed to be meeting with a team, but ended up driving a truck. Don't ask me why. We put me driving a truck with a cast on my foot. Um, don't do that. It's bad. Okay. Um, we put our teams together. Uh, my team, I ended up talking and, and being with a team that wasn't mine um, because a guy named Alan Vorman uh, couldn't be there. He was uh, just he had some class, some work stuff that was, was getting in his way. We went down, wild year. Trucks broke down in San Diego, didn't get things where we needed to. You know, 5 a, 5 a.m. in the morning, we were still unloading a truck because the other one, the drive shafts broke, and we're trying to get things down. We're, we're going and getting supplies that we thought we were going to have there before, um, before everything started. And one morning, we go out to the sites, and everybody leaves, and uh, on the way to the sites, there's an accident. And the accident is Alan Vorman and four other members of his team. And the car jumped the, jumped the divider, and basically the front end of this Buick or Chevy, I don't remember what it was, came right into where the window and the hood meet in Alan's little Datsun B210. We came up on the accident. Alan, I think, had every bone in his body broken. Lisa was just kind of process of elimination because she had so many scratches and things on her face. Um, Garth was not doing well. Patty. You sit there and you go into, you go into emergency mode and we get people to where they need to go. Uh, it's amazing, this, this picture of this Mexican doctor. He's actually operating on Alan and he's actually donating his blood as he's operating. And uh, that year was, was interesting. We, just, we had run into so many problems at the border. The federales were stopping us all over the place and just, just harassing us. Um, Watch three friends die. And some of you have seen the little memorial up there. Um, Alan, Lisa, and Garth died. Alan uh, died in Mexico, and Lisa and Garth died a few days later. Um, Patty uh, actually, uh, I'll wait to tell you that. Um, I can remember sitting at a tree in the riverbed where we used to camp and, and saying, okay, God, what do you want? And thinking back to, actually somebody just talked about this about two or three months before, Peter, and follow me. What does it take to follow you? I'm a religious studies major. I want to be a pastor or business. I don't know what that would, how that fit in. But I want to be a pastor. What does it take to follow you? I can go down. I can show you that tree where with tears in my eyes, I just had to say, okay, God, whatever you want. Now, I didn't get it right from that point on. God and I still have our conversations about what he wants and what I want and, and where we need to go. But I had to sit there and ask, what do you want, God? Am I willing to follow you? Am I willing to follow you to a place where maybe even takes me to a point where it costs me my life? And I hope that never happens. And I hope that never happens for any of you. But uh, being a follower of Christ is giving up of yourself and putting Christ first in your life. And I had to make that decision. The amazing thing was I led a thing that at the time we called Weekend Warriors. It's juntos, right? My Spanish is so bad now. Um, haven't used it in a long time. 
I led a ministry called Weekend Warriors, where essentially we went down about every other weekend, the fall semester. Not the year after, but two years after. And we're sitting in the middle of Ensenada, drive up in this Westmont van, just taking a break in a park. We've been doing some, some things with a church and with one of the orphanages. And we drive up to a park, and I look across, and I see this guy, and he's looking at the Westmont van. And I'm looking at him going, I know that face. I don't know why I know that face. Who is that? And he walks up, and I walk towards him. It turns out this is the guy who was driving the car. And it was amazing to sit back and to have some restoration and forgiveness for this man. A guy who was really vilified up here. He was a drunk. I I was there. I didn't smell any alcohol in his breath. But to say, it's okay. To say, they're with Christ. It's okay. And the restoration and the healing that happened with that man was amazing. And and part of that happened for me because I was willing to say, okay, God, what do you want? I never would have done something like Weekend Warriors. Um, I never would have been a part of the core team. The year that we went down and I was on the core team, something to look forward to, it was torrential rains. It washed out the camp. It was 500 students and just throwing everything up in the air and saying, okay, what do we do now? I think there's one of the suburbans down there at the physical plant. I hope there's nobody from the physical plant here. Uh, when they first got their new suburban, we took it down there and taking it through the riverbed, uh, trying not to wash it away. Um, three of us with... Uh, uh, garbage bags duct taped to our thighs trying to dam the river. You know, it, we're, we're out in the middle of this 50-foot wide riverbed that's running this deep, taking rocks, going, but it'll work. All right. And this is the core team, so <laughs> be a little smarter than that. that. That lasted for about two hours. I think we were actually probably just a little bit bored. But uh, it has been amazing for me to see what God has done since I was able to say, okay, what's it going to take, God? I'm far from perfect. I am far from perfect. But God has done some amazing things. Actually, the the gal who uh, was the co-director on uh, Potter's Clay the year that I was on the core team is now in Zimbabwe. And uh, she went there with a professor from Westmont, did some AIDS training, married a guy. They're running a camping ministry. And I am on their board at this point. I spent some time there this last summer. And uh, it's amazing what God is doing. Potter's clay was a turning point for Shelley. And that's the reason she went to Zimbabwe. Now what she's doing is she is running, they're running a camping ministry. And essentially in Zimbabwe, what they've done is they've said, the government said, everybody needs to do essentially what's outdoor ed here. But they don't mandate whether it's Christian or not. Or secular. And so they're able to do this outdoor ed that's approved by the Ministry of Education in Zimbabwe, and they're leading people to Christ. It's amazing. This, they had a camp two weeks ago. 28 or 29 out of 45 kids came to meet Christ. And, and all of that over some people saying, okay, God, I'm not sure what you're going to do, but we'll follow you. Peter didn't know what he was in for, but uh, he was willing at the end to say, I'm not sure what you have in store for me but I really get it now. I understand that it's not just knowing you. It's not just thinking about what I think the end should be. It's following who you have taught me to be. 
It's following the relationship. I don't know where your relationship is with, with Christ. Um, I, it's weird for me to come back. I, I, I don't see it mo- most anywhere else on campus, but Noel Matthews was a friend of mine who died in a car crash playing basketball in Europe. We just dedicated uh, a little space over by the library for Eric, a um, little kind of contemplative space, who died in a car crash about a year ago here in Santa Barbara. All these guys are from my class. I don't know why God keeps doing that. But one thing that's true of Noel, Eric, is they love Jesus with all their heart. They love Jesus with all their heart. You guys have a wonderful, wonderful experience here at Westmont. Um, if I can figure out how to pay for it, I'm going to try to send my kids. But, uh, man, it's twice what it was when I was here. Um, it's an incredible experience. I hope you take advantage of it. The education's incredible. The extracurricular stuff up here is incredible. Living in Santa Barbara is amazing. But I hope when you leave here that you have a better understanding of what it means to follow Christ, to be a disciple. Not to go to church, not to show up at chapel, not to get an A, a B, or a C on your religious studies courses, but what it means to be a follower of Christ. What it means to have an, an active, ongoing relationship with Jesus Christ. That doesn't mean you're all in full-time ministry. It just means that that your decisions, what you do, how you act, is centered on who Christ is. That's my prayer for you. Some of you might be uh, going to Potter's Clay this year. Some of you might need to go home. Some of you might be doing some inner-city stuff. But what I'd ask of you is to take some time, take some time to be quiet, and say, God... Where do you want me? Some of you might go to Potter's Clay and become a Christian. (laughs) I don't know. A few people when I was there went down for the fun, went down for what was going to happen, and just helping people out, and uh, they met Christ. But spend some time. Think about where God wants you. You need to go. I'll tell you that right now. Potter's Clay changed my life. Potter's Clay was an amazing part of my life, and I, I don't think anybody who's gone could tell you that it wasn't in some way a life-changing experience. Go sometime when you're here. Get out of your comfort zone. But don't just go because everybody else is going. Pray about it. Think about it. Use some discernment. I'm going to close. I'm going to read some scripture, and uh, just maybe ask you to bow your heads. I'm going to close in prayer, and then we're going to finish up with a song. Bow your heads. Close your eyes. Romans 12. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Father God, we come before you this morning. We, we kneel before you. We put ourselves at your feet. We thank you for all that you've given us. And Lord, as, as we think about taking some time to maybe go to, to Mexico to minister to some brothers and sisters in Christ and, and allow them to minister to us, to really exchange 
the grace that you've given each of us. Lord, I ask that for each man and woman in here, that they would uh, seek your will and seek what, what you want to have them do, whether that's being at home with family, whether that's going down to Mexico, whether that's done something in the inner city, whether that's going and hanging out at the beach for a week. You know what we need. I thank you for what you're going to do uh, through a committed group of core team folks and through, through the men and women in this room to change people's lives over Easter this year in Mexico. And, and we praise you and thank you for that in advance, Lord. We ask you for safety. We ask you for wisdom and decisions. And we give this entire time to you in the preparation, the planning, and the time that's down there. We ask that you would be the center of it, Lord, that we would seek you. In your precious and holy name, amen.